we are gathered here today to remember those who have transgressed against the great spirit of inclusion and must henceforth be forever cast into the abyss of dead names. In this moment of our remembrance, we prove with great grief and wailing the sincerity of our noble tolerance. What we once wrongly allowed in the ignorance of white privilege has become the cleansing rite of virtue signaling we use to prove our purity. Join with me now as we remember those we've lost. First, the term traditional marriage, which came into the spotlight recently when Full House child star Candace Cameron Bure told the Wall Street Journal that her film company, Great American Family, will not be making Christmas movies featuring same-sex couples, but will instead, quote, keep traditional marriage at the core of what they do. Now, obviously, you are all well aware that our thought enforcers across the internet are actively engaged in making sure Bure is properly castigated for her bigotry, but we can do more. And the more we can do is to eradicate this noxious term from our collective vocabulary. Yes, at first it might seem like traditional marriage is a relatively neutral term to be used in contrast with gay marriage. But no, in reality, this is a holdover of the vestigial bigotry of the mindset that there are legitimate kinds of marriage, like between a she person and a he person, and then illegitimate kinds of marriage which are new, deviant, or experimental, rather than being just like every other marriage. Now, I know that some of you will say that we should not eliminate the term traditional marriage, but should instead work to replace it with one that slants in our direction, like homophobic marriage, or bigotry unions, or rainbow hater nuptials. But need I remind you of Finkelbaum's third precept of shaping thought through manipulating language? The best way to eradicate an idea is to make sure there's no acceptable label for it at all. If a thing cannot be named, it cannot be thought. And we want the idea that gay marriage is in any way different from straight marriage to be unthinkable and therefore we must make it unnameable. This is our best strategy against love deniers like Bure and her fellow suppressors of equality. Woe unto all who offend. Second, the disease label monkeypox, which will now henceforth be referred to as the shortened name mpox. Now, even though the name monkeypox derives from the fact that the disease was first discovered in two colonies of monkeys, we don't want people thinking that monkeys are the only source of transmission. But more importantly, since the disease formerly known as monkeypox originated in Africa and has been endemic there for decades, calling it monkeypox is obviously racist and stigmatizing given the history of bigotry against black people who have been insultingly compared to primates. And yes, even though almost no one actually perceives monkeypox as a racist term, even the chance that someone might make this association justifies the change. As every young person who enrolls in Introduction to Racism for Whites Part 1 learns, the important thing isn't whether a term actually is racist so much as whether under any circumstances anybody could possibly view it as racist. That's why we must take action, just as NBA star Lamar Odom last week taught us about the Phoenix Suns gorilla mascot. And for those unenlightened few who think this is not an important slur to change, just imagine if some disease happened to be discovered first during an outbreak in a saltines factory and someone made the decision to call it crackerpox, or on a goose farm and it was called honkypox. Even though those labels would be superficially logical, surely white people would be right in demanding a change. 
Now that we have properly identified the danger, Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization has instructed that there should be a transition period of one year during which either term will be allowed so as to avoid causing uh, confusion during a global outbreak of that pox which lies between the letters L and N. While we understand this guidance, we still think it's a mistake because it fosters the misguided notion that fighting disease in the body is more important than fighting bigotry in the mouth. And yes, we also know that future citizens might ask the question where the M in M pox comes from, at which point we can say M is for mystery, just like the origin of the disease. This might be a lie, but as Plato taught, a noble lie is sometimes necessary for the greater M good. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. And finally, we want to celebrate the decision made in the Massachusetts town of Nantucket, which this week approved making all of their beaches topless for both men and women. Now, just to clarify, this does not mean toplessness is mandatory, although we can see the argument for that as well. No, for now, this means that both men and women can equally reveal their naked bodies from the waist up in a wonderful demonstration that we should not discriminate against the genders, especially in clothing norms. As all people of the acronym know, the essence of our truth is that all distinctions between men and women are artificial, regressive, and archaic, and true equality will never arrive until men are forced, forced, to see women's naked chests, just as women are forced to see men's. Now, it's true that Nantucket could just as easily have advanced the cause of gender indistinguishability by prohibiting all toplessness for both genders, which would have had the added benefit of teaching men to experience the oppression and shame women feel when told their chests are too dangerous for public viewing. It might have been a lesson worth learning, sure, but nevertheless, covering up reinforces old-timey moral concepts such as modesty and decorum that generally interfere with our agenda of sexual anarchy, so it's just better to let everybody take their tops off equally. Also, since science now tells us that women can identify as men, treating male and female nudity as the same is another step in eradicating transphobia, transphobia and avoiding the uncomfortable need to ask a naked trans man with breasts why he is wearing a shirt. So as a forward-thinking outpost of breaking down gender barriers and living out devotion to the Equal Rights Amendment, we celebrate all the men and women and others we once knew from Nantucket. Woe unto all who offend. Woe unto all who offend. And now, with these cleansing rites performed, may we all go forth in loving tolerance and microaggress no more. Woe unto all who offend.